I can't focus on these Americans who think that, you know, white power is uber alles. Welcome to Won't Be Silent. I'm your host, political TikToker and opinionator, Abe Gurko. Everyone should be able to voice their opinion. We want people in this current moment of resistance to use their voices. We're here to discuss the many reasons why we can't and won't be silent. Each week we will explore a movement and see if we can bring people together with one goal, to speak up and say, I won't be silent. My guest today is Andrea Murdoch. She's an indigenous culinary artist working out of Colorado. Her company is Four Corners Cuisine, and I'm really fascinated with the work that she's doing. Introduce yourself, tell us your name, where you are, your whole life story from day one. Now, <laughs> 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 it brings us to this moment. Right. Gosh, from day one, that's so much information. <laughs> you can give us the abridged version, though. Right. Andrea Murdoch, Andina chef, originally from Venezuela. Uh, my indigeneity lies in the San Cristobal region of the country. And uh, I own and operate Food Directions Cuisine in Denver, Colorado. So tell me about the cuisine, because I was intrigued when I found out about you, when it was introduced to you, and I want to know more, and I want everyone to know more. Awesome. Uh, so Four Directions Cuisine is um, an indigenous foods catering company. We do um, uh, like fine dining all the way to uh, retail snack packs and wholesale items. And like even simple things like a hummus isn't a, uh, a typical hummus like what most people know it as. I actually use tepary beans that are specifically from Ramona Farms. And that is a legume that has sustained the Odom people since their beginning, you know, and it's little, little things like that, that really helps start as well as um, prolong the conversation about indigenous foods, because a lot of people understand indigenous cuisine, if they even view it as a cuisine, honestly, as fry bread with toppings. Um, a lot of people do not realize how expansive indigenous uh, foods and systems and the cuisine actually is. You know, I have friends in, you know, the Pacific Northwest and Alaska, um, on the West Coast in general, who love, love, love their salmon. And it's just not the same diet as, let's say, uh, the Iroquois, who are originally from, you know, the Pencil what is now Pennsylvania. Um, they're having a lot more rabbit and deer meat and, and duck and things like that. So it's, uh, it's very expansive. It's very diverse. It really is, you know, root to table, field to table, you know, water to table, however you want to call it, type of cuisine. Oh, that sounds so awesome. I just want to give a quick little background. I've been obsessing for the past three years on why there isn't more of a, just an, an access to indigenous cuisine and Native American, whatever that is not French or Italian or Mexican and the things that we're all used to, like every kind of personage has like a cuisine, right? And three years ago, I was at the, um, uh, what was it? I was in Long Island. There was the, uh, oh yeah, I'm forgetting the name. There was like a festival, a Native American festival. Okay. The, 
I see this is what happens when you turn old. Anyway, it was the first time I'd ever seen like food trucks and a festival with different kinds of foods. And I just kind of felt like this is a missed opportunity for the people who really originated this country and who are this backbone of America. And I just, anytime I would meet anybody that was Native American, I'd be like, you need to do cuisine. <laughs> anyway, we have a mutual friend, hence this introduction. And hence what I want everyone to start thinking about and knowing about and direct messaging me so I can like share some of the information that Andrea is doing such a vital, important work. And I feel like she's on the, even though she's probably been doing it for years, but she is on the cusp of what could be a great new trend in food. Am I wrong? Um, we don't necessarily want it to be a trend. No, no, okay, wrong word, but an acknowledgement of... Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 exactly. The acknowledgement to our traditional foods, our traditional food ways, our food systems. Um, people don't realize that over 70% of the world's food originated in the Americas, or as we call it, Turtle Island. That blows people's minds. Wait, or why they say, that can't be right. It's like, yeah. No, why tur <laughs> Why Turtle Island? Turtle Island. Uh, it has to do with uh, a, lo a lot of the indigenous creation stories. So, for example, when I was uh, learning from the ladies at Oneida Nation in Wisconsin, their creation story is about, um, you know, uh, sky people who uh, fell down to, to Earth as, as we recognize it. And uh, Earth was actually the... The turtle shell and it was surrounded by water and you know over, over time you know that turtle shell has been broken up into you know north america south america central america mesoamerica you know as we understand it geographically today but their creation story uh which they can do a much uh more uh thorough and proper job of uh telling the story but the, the gist of it is that, you know, Sky, Sky Woman uh, came down to, you know, the, the earthly world, which was actually the, the shell of a turtle. Wow. Interesting. So what is your like favorite dishes to make? Tell us a little about like some of the foods that, you know, you enjoy making or I, I understand you teach cooking classes, too. So what does that entail? Like what are like what are those? If I'm doing cooking classes for the general public, um, they they are a bit different than what I might present at Navajo Technical University in uh, Crown Point, New Mexico. I've been down there as a guest chef and lecturer uh, three or four times now, um, and the kids are always, always fantastic, um, very receptive to the information because a majority of them are, um, you know, from desert dwelling tribe or tribes or predominantly Diné. And uh, to, to be an Andina and, you know, sharing uh, some of my more specific cultural knowledge with them, uh, they, they really in enjoy it. And they start to, you know, ask different questions and start trying to uh, incorporate it into their own cuisine or even just uh, cooking at home, wanting to, you know, mess around with it and, and, and experiment and see what the different flavors are like or what can they combine to make something, uh, something unique, you know, that, that they've created with our traditional foods. When I do community events, a lot of times it is surrounding either Indigenous youth, 
uh, and we're trying to um, teach them how to cook healthy, traditional foods as opposed to relying on uh, fast food or uh, like 7-Eleven, like convenience store type of foods. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of our indigenous people are in food deserts. Um, The, oh shoot, what is it? What is it? I think uh, Navajo Nation, you know, is something the size of Rhode Island. And yet there are 13 grocery stores for that size of community. That's when you start relying on you know, gas station food, it's, you know, whatever you're driving past at the time, you know, and if you're, uh, as most of our indigenous people are, especially if you're living on reservations, um, it's, it's not particularly conducive to growing your own food, it's a little more difficult. And that was part of the purpose of, um, you know, the forced, forced removal, like that was, people don't understand this or can wrap their heads around it, or they just want to deny it altogether. It's like taking away our food systems and our food ways. That was an act of genocide. That was meant to disrupt our livelihood so much that we just died off. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many things. That was meant to kill off a major, major food system for us, a food resource for us. They almost became extinct. How did like I, it's infuriating? Yes, it's infuriating. I mean, the whole thing about the food, like the twelve grocery stores to so much land. Mm-hmm. I mean, that can't be like common knowledge. I mean, that has to be. You guys need better PR. <laughs> I'm just saying. You know what I mean? The the horrors. I mean, this all has to become much more. Like this has to be a decade about opening up to the truths about what happened and how it's being handled. I mean, I am shocked at hearing that. And and I'm kind of like on it in a certain amount of ways, but that's way too upsetting. The the U.S. government was very, very intelligent with uh, its attempt to exterminate us. It's um, to be honest, you know, and I'm South American indigenous, you know, our story is very, very different. I mean, and I find it appalling that, uh, you know, uh, my my North American relatives have to carry a tribal card as a form of paperwork or pedigree. No one else has to do that. You know what I mean? Uh, that that's, uh, that's only issue like that's only issued to to animals. You know, and yet as indigenous people, we're, uh, you know, not even federally, re- not not all of our tribes are federally recognized. And then those who are, you have to, in uh, a lot of tribes, and, and the, the rules differ from tribe to tribe because of the, the monetary disbursements. Um, but in the tribes where you have to be a certain percentage of indigenous uh, blood, like indigenous genealogy. And that's when we get into blood quantum and all these every, and all these other things. So like when you hear people say, you know, card carrying Indian, it means that they have a quote unquote pedigree to show that they are Native American. In order to do what though? Like- to, to be able to, uh, for example, forage or um, hunt without having to pay. Uh-huh. So technically, if I'm not a card-carrying Indian because I'm South American uh, native, uh, if I'm caught on, you know, not national park land, 
foraging, technically I could be fined because I don't have paperwork. Yikes. That's such a not, not good thing to know. Mm-hmm. The other thing that shocks people is that, uh, and you might, you might know this because of, uh, of uh, your, your background, uh, the Nazis studied what the U.S. government did to indigenous people and took notes and then proceeded to persecute Jewish people. Oh, my God. They took notes. So like all, all of that, you know, uh, uproar and, and, you know, just uh, all of those feelings, you know, when you think of the Holocaust, they took notes wow. on Native American genocide and then applied it in a different way. Look, America was founded by a gross bunch of people, and it is at the center of who we still are. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. no changing that. And as as much as we make tiny little strides here and there and, you know, kind of try to chip away, but it's almost like you can never, you know, flatten a mountain. You know what I mean? It's like that shit's there because it's at the essence of America. Yeah. It's really unfortunate. And I guess all we can kind of do is, I guess, just try chipping away. I mean, that's the only thing you can do. I mean, these people, the thing about progressives is that they really feel like they're going to, you know, they're so like Pollyanna about their like dreams and hopes of changing the world. Mm-hmm. And it's just upsetting because, you know, it's like, you know, that old adage, you can't fight City Hall, you know, and it's like, like, how do you, so, to, so that's why to me, at least what has to happen now, is like I said, is that the information has to be more readily available. And if it's not going to be taught in schools, then it should be like electives or it should be like curriculums and it should be something that people would want to study because there might be an actual industry that could be part of your studying this and whether it's legally related or just supporting in food systems. I mean, there's an industry. There's a way to make this something besides just, oh, how horrible it was. The same, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I just don't, I guess I'm just thinking out loud. But I just, just knowing that that's this, the hardships should not, you know, there's got to be a coming of age. We and people of color it's it's on us to understand that we are the, the we are the we could be the glue that keeps it all together to fight that off, you know. Because I don't know, I, I I'm I'm almost at wit's end, but I'm definitely committed to holding on till November twenty two, you know, and mm-hmm. giving it my all and making sure that I am not going to be part of a fascistic regime. There's just no way that's happening. Yeah. And, you know, as important as it is for those of us in the indigenous community, the black community, um, you know, other other communities who are completely marginalized, um, we also need a lot of allyship. I mean, indigenous people only, we make up less than 5% of the nation, you know? So even if every single one of us, you know, banded together, that still wouldn't be enough. We need we need that allyship. No, no, no. I I'm I'm right there on the allyship department. Are you kidding? Yeah. I that but that is what my whole goal is from now to to November mm-hmm. is to get groups of people together distributing information 
not only political information, but emotional information, the groups that we need to keep together, putting people together. It's like, this is why I feel like I always like to say I survived the plagues. You know what I mean? To be at least, at least to be like a conduit, because again, we are going to have to, I mean, especially with the voting, like the Native American community is treated like such an afterthought. It's just unacceptable. Absolutely. I mean, there, there are people who don't think that Native Americans exist on this earth anymore, you know, or if people recognize that we are still living and breathing, that we're still here, we're still existing. Um, you know, a lot of folks will awkwardly say, oh, yeah, um, yeah, of course I know Native American people are you know, are, are still here. Uh, I mean, I don't, nec- I don't know any native people, but yeah, I know they're still here. And it's like, you, you realize that all of the Latinos that you know, whether they will admit it or not, they're of mixed heritage, that there's indigeneity in there because they were indigenous before they were colonized. Yeah, that's, that's, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. A lot of stereotypes, you know, a lot of misinformation, just bold lies that have to be overcome and retaught. Awesome. Have a great night. Thanks, you too. Bye. Bye. We won't be silent.